Are you ready to open the door to more romance, fun, and adventure? Or maybe it's compassion, support, and strength you're looking for. Discover real-life stories and a path to overcome the pitfalls every marriage encounters. Welcome to The Extraordinary Marriage. Welcome to episode eight of The Extraordinary Marriage. Today, we're talking about parenting and marriage. And you know, as we started to look at different stories we had throughout the years, I realized that everything through those years of marriage, while we had kids, mostly every story we would think of was about parenting. Because once you begin having children, everything changes. I bet you're thinking about that now, if you've had your first child, that everything changed. The dynamics between the two people that chose to get married changes. And sometimes people get married and they already have children from another marriage, or they have, uh, maybe they had to get married, or that's what we say, shotgun wedding, sorry. Anyway, uh, maybe they had to get married and, you know, right away there was that child that was there and they never had that time just between the two of them. I think when that happens, you have to be more careful to pay attention to each other because the truth is when kids come along, they take all the attention. So I remember whenever we were first married and, uh, you know, our first child was like maybe two-ish or something like that. Uh, And he had gotten in trouble with me and I don't remember if he got his bottom popped or if I fussed at him or what, but he had gotten in big trouble and he was crying. And about that time, uh, my husband came in from work. And so, Jeff, how did that look to you whenever you came in? I'll let you tell your side of the story. Okay. There. My side of the story is I came in from work. I opened the door to come into the house and my son is standing there crying. So as any good parent would do, I immediately picked him up to comfort him. And then I heard the voice from the back of the house who had said, don't pick him up. Don't pet him. Don't do anything. And I'm thinking, okay. And then I was in trouble. Yes. So he's crying. He's gotten in trouble with me. Jeff comes in and he picks him up. And I'm like, hey, why are you picking him up? You know, this is like one of those first examples of communicating because as he came in, he didn't know what had just happened, but uh, I became really irritated with him. And so this is one of our first lessons. And, uh, you know, he likes to please me. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So he doesn't like to get in trouble with me. He doesn't like (laughs) me to get irritated. So, uh, yeah. So he picked him up. But we had a conversation at that time when we talked about the fact of, Hey, I just got after him. And so you can't pet him. And that would probably be one of the things of our parenting years, because Jeff has more mercy than I do. And he probably like, you know, I don't think you ever. Do you remember any times that you actually got on the children when they were small? A few times, a few times. And what might they be doing when you got onto them? Uh, they were doing something or I saw them do something specific that was wrong, um, such as hitting their brother or their sister or throwing something or whatever. And um, 
And then you got on to me because I got on to them because you didn't like my discipline. But that's another story. Uh, well, maybe I don't like to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Well, well, you th- I think that because uh, I didn't get, I don't, that didn't happen very often with me. And so in your defense, um, I was probably lashing out in a type of anger rather than discipline as a good parent would. So I think that's why you're reacting the way you did. Well, irritation. I mean, you you have the right to to uh, holler at the kids whenever they need to be hollered at. So I'm not. Um, and you know what? Well, since you say that, we're going to go there on that. I remember like one of the first times that like you spanked one of the kids um, uh, the way I saw it was that you used too much man strength. And so I was like, oh, I rather spank them with good control than have you spank them when you're like mad or angry at them because they've irritated you to the point that now you're coming after them where I, I rather be more proactive and you were being reactive. That's kind of how I saw it. You're probably right. Yeah. Okay. So that actually probably tells the story of how I ended up disciplining the kids most of the time until they're like teenagers. And that's another story, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, but you know, a lot of the times you played with the kids. So you tended to play with the kids and I disciplined the kids and I got after the kids and I took after the kids. So I'm thinking that makes you more popular than me because you were like always playing with the kids. Well, I mean, I like to have fun with them. I mean, it's kind of like whenever you were going to work, you were teaching ballet or whatever, and we played hide and seek. But their homework was always done before we played. So, you know, we did that and we would run and hide and. Melissa always had to be on my time, my side because I would scare her so bad. And so she was on my team. And even when I jumped out to scare her brothers, I think that I scared her also. The um, But it's mainly because it was dark and the kids walked in and you jump out, you know, just like if you're in one of those haunted houses type thing, you know, um, people jump out and scare you. It's kind of like that same thing. Yes. So I really didn't know about that until they were grown. And suddenly one day they talked about the fact that uh, they played hide and go seek with dad. And I think you guys were saying that usually the two boys, our boys were like five years apart and our daughter was uh, born right in the middle of that. So we Mm -hmm. had all five of our kids within five years. And so our youngest son was usually about the same size as his sister. And so you would put the two boys on one team and then you would protect the the little angel girl um, on your team. Right. Sure. You know, you always protect the princess or the queen or the queen. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, That's probably why the boys even now look and go, Oh, Melissa's favored. Right. But we don't favor any of our kids. We love all our kids equal. How does that happen where kids do that, where they start thinking mom or dad favors so-and-so over me? How do you think that happens? Well, it could be simply because you have more in common. um, Your girls, you do things together. You like to do the same type thing. And the boys do things with me, like watch Georgia football or, you know, throw the football around or baseball or whatever it is, you know, um, 
Melissa was never outside throwing the football or throwing baseball or whatever, you know, so this probably is just because of the guy girl thing. So literally, I think we have different relationships as moms with our boys or as moms with our sons and probably the same things with dads. Sure. Different relationships. But, you know, it all comes back to the couples and communicating. Um, it's like that first story we told about uh, Jeremy when he was two. The The whole idea there is that was avoided for the future because of communication. When we talked about that, same thing with the kids and different aspects of our lives with our children in that parenting. But it comes back to the couples communicating and and sharing Okay, this is how I see this. And that's so important. Okay, so what I hear you saying is like we can't read each other's minds. That's correct. God didn't give us that talent. No. And you know what happens with couples is they, however they think. And I was just teaching um, a small group um, this week and we were talking about the fact of how we all think differently mm-hmm. and we kind of tend to think that our spouse should see things the same way we do, think the same way we do, react the same way we do, but they don't. And when they don't, then, you know, we start to lose our connection. And this is one of the things of parenting and the importance of paying attention to one another. And as we reviewed this week again, I I say, I realized how much like we started having kids really early and we were like 21 when we started having kids and we just shifted from all about me. And, you know, I was that way and, and you were that way. Sure. And we shifted from all about me to all about them. Everything was about that first baby when it was born because that little baby like takes over because they demand attention because they cry. They got to have their diaper changed. You got to feed them. They're dependent on you to protect them and take care of them. Yeah. And everything really changes when that first child comes along. So, you know, what? how did you feel? Cause you know, some men feel I don't know, I hate to say like jealous or bothered or, you know, needy or whatever. So what did you think whenever that first baby came along? I guess there was times that I thought that, um, wow, she's putting this child ahead of me. Um, but most of the time I just realized that, hey, the baby's got to be taken care of. The kids had to be taken care of. And, and they were our priority at that time. And I guess maybe I look at things a little differently, but but I can see where men who were getting all the attention from their spouse at one time, a baby comes along and mama is enamorated with, or and whatever that word is, um, with that baby. And she, she's so excited about this and everything the baby's doing. And suddenly he feels left out. He's not, but he does feel that way. So I, I can see that, although I don't remember, remember feeling that really that much. Well, you know, but I think that's a really good point because there's a lot of couples that that starts to kind of come between. And uh, I think it's something that you have to discuss. It's not anything that we discussed. I never thought about it back Mm -mm. in the day. No, I never thought about it. And I never felt left out because by the time I was 
taking care of the needs of everybody in the family from children and running them around and all the things in the household and making dinner. And, and I think that maybe we got to stop and have a conversation maybe after the kids went to bed. Maybe sometimes, sometimes we just laid down and went to sleep. And that's it. I kind of remember that being tired all the time. And I hear people say nowadays, you know, our kids are all grown and I hear people say, well, that's why you have kids when you're young, because you got to have the energy. But you know what I think? Because I'm a person who still has a lot of energy. And when I have the grandkids over, like, I mean, I don't think anything about it usually as far as keeping up with them. It just doesn't bother me. So I really think that having kids is what makes you tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really have decided from this side that having children is what makes you tired because I do believe that I also just dropped in the bed every night. I don't ever remember having trouble sleeping when I had children, except for waking up very easily. You know, when a baby cried, you're like on a, otherwise I've always slept so solid, but you're like on alert when you have little ones. And I think that's an important thing to pay attention to and talk about once in a while of what we can do together. Um, But you know what? What you have in common during that time is children. Mm -hmm. You have that in common. So, you know, something that we also did uh, all back through the days, your mom had a family reunion in West Virginia. And so every summer we would pack up the kids And uh, I remember some summers, even like maybe a couple of those first years, maybe they paid for it or we rode with them in their van um, when we just had one child. Um, Because, you know, when you first get married, you don't have so much money and you can't. I don't remember any other vacations in those early days except going to the family reunion. But that was always a, a great fun because there was. Um, a ball game and volleyball and um, hey, my favorite thing, eating great food three times a day. They rang the big bell, you know, it was at a 4-H camp and they rang the big bell and we all headed down to eat. And hey, I didn't have to cook. And we it was family style. They just kept refilling the bowls and we just had a good old time um, eating. But there was always so many activities that activities for the kids and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Something about gathering with family. It's always great. It was. And uh, I think I went with you the first time and we were engaged. And that was the kind of thing where I remember I said, you know what? Uh, You asked me if I could go. And I think I was 18. And I was like, "Uh, my mom won't let me go. There's no way she'll let me go. Uh, I grew up very conservatively and my parents were very protective. So maybe that's why I also was protective. I grew up very conservative also. Okay. Just for the record. Yes, you did. I okay. didn't say you didn't. Yes, yes, you did. Your family was very conservative, and that's probably what helped us. We have the same beliefs and values and all that kind of thing. Anyway, I was asked to go, and um, I'm like, no way. My mom won't let me go. But, you know, uh, Jeff, I said, you can ask her if you want. So he went and asked her. I did. And she said. Absolutely. I was well, like, she didn't say She said yes. I was like, what? <laughs> I couldn't believe that she had said yes, that I could go on this trip with your family. But anyway, so that was the first first year. And, you know, we went for a handful of years. I dare not think how many years it was. And one day I said, hey, 
I just realized something. Your last name is Durham mm-hmm. and you're all those people at your mom's reunion, their last name is Durham. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, I was a little slow. So so my mom married a Durham and she was a Durham, which makes me a thoroughbred. <laughs> and they met in, do you remember? They met in Washington, D.C. Uh, do you want me to tell that story? Sure. All right, real quick. Okay, that story, um, uh, my dad's sergeant, uh, he was in the Marine Corps. He came into the barracks. My dad happened to be the guy that was there. He said, he said, uh, Durham, get your gun, get your, uh, get your gun, get your, get your greens on, get your greens on. Uh, we're going into town. And so he went with the sergeant because the sergeant was meeting my mom's sister and they went to the roller skating ring. And of course, now I don't know if my dad knew how to skate or really didn't know how to skate, but my mom helped him all the way around the rink all night long. And that began a romance. And and that December, right after that, not very long after that, in December, uh, they got married and um, the rest is history. Hey, I think that was like a three-month romance is all it was, right? It was very short, very Ooh. short. Ooh, these days, I would not suggest that. Yeah. Three months. You know, sometimes it's love at first sight. And you know, once you get together, you know that, hey, this is going to go well. Although my parents did have a few struggles when they first got married. You know, I think every every couple has struggles because mm-hmm. uh, habits, you know, hey, if there's an only child, which neither one of them was an only child, it's even harder because when you're an only child, everything is about you, That's you, true. you. And when you get married, all of a sudden there's two people and it's kind of like a a sibling and you got to kind of divide up the attention and take turns. Uh, my turn, your turn, getting, getting to choose sure, sure. or that kind of thing. So well, it's getting to know each other, you know, and uh, I will tell one little side story that my parents sometimes did have fights because my mom told this story many years ago uh, about how she threw something at my dad Uh-oh. and it broke in. Uh, I don't know. It did some little cut or something on me. And that broke my mom. She never threw anything ever again. But uh, but, you know, couples go through that type thing. It's it's a it's a getting to know you type process. Absolutely. And somebody's listening, going, yeah, I've thrown things before. But, you know, it's to throw a dish. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes whatever's in our hand, if we're really, really mad. Right. Yeah. I can't remember you throwing anything at me. Yeah. I don't usually throw things. Thanks. (laughs) I probably wouldn't hit you anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but well, so we went on for years going to that family reunion, having a good time. And our kids, you know, started growing up with their faraway cousins all the way in West Virginia. As uh, we went to that, of course, everybody wasn't from West Virginia. That's just where your mom was originally from and her siblings, which was what? 10, 10 kids were all over the state. So everybody traveled there to go to that reunion. Well, a long time that we were pregnant with our second child. And uh, um, you know what? That was before the day of ultrasound. So we still didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl. So we'd had a boy the first time. And we didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl. And it happened that the weekend that that family reunion was that that was like my due date or it was like slightly past my due date. Actually it was past my due date because I never came. I never gave birth on my due date. It was always like two weeks later, wasn't it? 
Yeah. It was always two weeks later. So uh, I knew that we couldn't go to the reunion because we might like have a baby along the way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, your mom, she was pretty persistent. She was a great mother-in-law. I have to say that. But you know what? When we want something, we want something. So she wanted uh, to take Jeremy at two and a half years old to the family reunion in West Virginia. And do we remember I said I was a clingy mom? I know it. I claim it. Yeah, (laughs) That's okay. I claim it. She wanted to do that. And so I was like, oh, no, mom, I I cannot do that. I mean, I knew like, you know, we want to say yes and we want to please people. But I was like, I can't say yes. I just couldn't bear knowing that he had traveled all the way to West Virginia from Georgia and here I would be, you know, having a baby. I mean, like, even if I wasn't having a baby, I couldn't have done it. So I had to say no. It was a hard thing to say no, because I didn't want to say no, but I could not say yes. Well, in that story, my sister-in-law, actually, uh-huh, sometimes we get involved <laughs> in other things. She decided to write me a letter about how, I won't go into all that, but it's like how I should let our mother-in-law, because, you know, she was also married to one of the sons, how I should let our mother-in-law take, you know, take our children, because you know what? She wasn't as clingy as me. And so here we go with that, how we think differently, right? She couldn't understand that I could not let let loose of my child, because she was able to let her kids travel, and, you know, that's okay, because we're different. We don't have to be the same, right? That's true. So uh, she wrote me a letter. Here I am, big and pregnant. And, you know, about that time, we're emotional. And uh, since I, at that time in my life, probably had trouble um, communicating my feelings to anybody outside my uh, my tiny little family, my husband. <laughs> yeah. He, once he couldn't, uh, let's say once that time happened uh, before we got married and my mom put us in that spot, I shared that in episode one where, uh, my mom put it, me in the spot where I had to share my feelings. Cause I was getting ready to break up with him. Like he was never able to shut me up. It's like, once you open the gates, they just kept coming. So he knew how I felt. I was very upset with it. I probably cried a whole lot about it, but I, because of how I communicated and how I, I, I couldn't say that to my sister-in-law, I, I didn't want to talk about it anymore with my mother-in-law. And so, oh boy, it was not a pretty picture. I was so very upset. And I'm one of those that when you push me in a corner, I come out fighting, but I might come out crying. And that's really what happened. I was so frustrated um, and I, I, I just didn't really know how to handle it. So, um, that year. That was a, that was a, a good thing that it didn't happen because while they were at the family reunion, Melissa came along. And, and so, you know, I can remember go, calling the doctor and all the different aspects of that, but, uh, that's where I had your back and we did what was right for our family. Right. And so you need to do what's right for your family. You need that's the call the communication that you have with your spouse. You talk about things like that, and then you have to decide what's best for you. And I knew how Connie felt about that, how clingy she was, because she <laughs> you could still use that clingy. word since I used it. it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it was right for us. 
and it may not be right for everybody, but that was right for us. And Melissa came along at uh, 3.01 a.m., the Sunday of the family reunion. And so uh, after I made sure Connie was okay and the baby was okay, I went and woke everybody up at the family reunion and told them that we they had another grandbaby. So there was a celebration in West Virginia at about 4 a.m. anyway. Okay, so I'm kind of thinking back. Could, is that right? Because how did you let them know? Because there was no phones. No cell phones back then. No, I called the uh, Jackson Mill in West Virginia, <laughs> okay. in Western West Virginia. And I woke the person up and then they went and got them and then they called. And, you know, things were really different back then because there were no cell phones where you could just contact people. Wow. That was another day, wasn't it? Oh yeah. yeah. Where when somebody went out the door, you didn't know, you couldn't contact them all the time. It was just really a different day. Well, you know, I also remember um, something that was fun, something was really special to us during our parenting years was that um, your older brother, Mike, he was a chaplain um, in the army, army, (laughs) Mm -hmm. in the the army. And um, back in that day, he was stationed in Germany. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he was stationed in Germany. And so, wow, it was a very expensive trip, but we got to stay with them. Um, They were, you know, in the army barracks, right? In Heidelberg, Germany. In Heidelberg, Germany. And so we got to go there one Christmas and we spent two weeks and, you know, we're so thankful to them for housing us and taking care of us and that kind of thing. But our kids got to go and do that, yeah. and um, they were on the edge of being teenagers. Well, well, Josh was little, and Jeremy was probably what? Jeremy was a teenager. He was 14 or 15, somewhere in that area. Okay, that's about right. And um, and then Melissa would have been 12, you know. So they were right on the, two on the brink of being teenagers. And um, anyway, but that was that was a lot of fun because we got to go to Paris and and to see, you know, all the sites of Paris. We went to Amsterdam and saw the Anne Frank house and you just different places and different places that we normally would not have been able to go to if they hadn't been already living in Europe. So we also saw New Swanstein and anyway, go ahead. Yes. So that was like so much fun and we would never have had that opportunity. And no. yeah, we put it on our credit card. So thanks Mike and Janice. <laughs> It was a it was a lifetime opportunity. But something that was really funny that we were talking about that uh, we remember is um, we were, you know, you walked everywhere you went there. The sidewalks were big and wide and uh, we walked everywhere we went in Paris. In Paris. Paris, Yeah. And so like, you know, you're you're like, you know, you're getting hungry and we started looking for somewhere to eat. And, you know, once in a while you would see somewhere like McDonald's. Um, I, I don't know. Do we see a hard rock cafe, hard rock cafe, but you know, you're, you're away from home. You're in Europe and you really want to go eat uh, at a restaurant. That's not at home. You know, although you do recognize those others and you know what you're going to get when you go in there. But uh, so we, we had been walking along and uh, we're starving and I'll let you tell that story. Okay, so we were near the Eiffel Tower and we're all hungry. And so we went to the, down this little side street near the Eiffel Tower and there was a little French restaurant there. And so, you know, when you go in and you've got, what, eight or nine people, I kept, we had 
five, uh, four, yeah, nine people. Um, or just Mike was with us. Was everybody with us? I thought the whole family was, or whatever. Anyway, I can't so remember. We went into this restaurant and, um, and you know, just um, to put it bluntly, in America, we are used to big portions. Oh, yeah. And in Paris, they're used to itty bitty portions. And so we go into this restaurant and we order up some food and so forth. And it was quite expensive because it was a French restaurant. But uh, I don't know if they were gouging us because we were Americans. But anyway, that doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, they brought out this food and so forth. And then uh, one of my sons, because at that time, the big commercial from Wendy's was, where's the beef? <laughs> and so they looked at their plate and they said, where's the beef? Of course, that began the laughter and, you know, it's kind of like we talked about in the first episode about how laughter breaks the tension so often. And and so we were they were ready for us to go whenever we when we finally finished. And I don't uh, remember that. Anyway, like that. they were. But anyway, but we were all laughing and, and we were just having a great time because uh, someone broke the ice and they said, you know, that joke. And uh, anyway, so uh, it was a, it was a good time. You know, the way I remember that, remember, we all think differently, but the way I remember that, I remember the thing that we went in, we we're starving hungry, we looked through the menu trying to figure out what we recognized so we could order, and then we waited and waited and waited, and did I say we were hungry? Yeah. Yeah, so we waited all this time, and finally, the plates come out, and they're put on the table, and we look at our plates, and we're like, that's when the words where's the beef came out one of the kids and they you know it's like we're all looking at our plates and it's these teeny little portions that's how the people in paris stay skinny <laughs> they have very small portions and uh you know maybe that's the way it should be but Good for man. us here in america we're used to large portions and so we were so hungry that we and we were looking at that plate and it was expensive. Oh yeah, it was a lot. It was very expensive. We were like a family of five on a budget, man, and here we were in Europe, right? Yep. But sometimes you have to do what you have to do and uh I mean those are certainly memories. 2 weeks in Europe and being able to tour all over and uh, see all kind of things. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, as we think about the years with the kids, you know, I think about, um, you know, I think about the thing of um, mentoring and, and, you know, in business in the last few years, as I've been um, building my business with the extraordinary marriage, um, being mentored by people who knew more than me, you know, that's the same thing really that's going on with parents. Parents are mentors and, you know, kids do what they see. And as parents, we so often we tell them what we want them to do. And we're not thinking about what do we do? You know, like uh, now kids are going to fight whether you fight or not. You know, it's like, but I think that if parents fight a lot or talk harshly to each other, um, I think their kids pick up that and start to do it too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes as parents, we can think of ourselves as mentors. And what were our parents like? What did we like? What did we not like about, you know, our own childhoods? 
And then we want to remember as we are mentors to our kids, what do I want my own marriage to look like? You know, yeah. What do I want my own marriage to look like? And then we have to practice what we want to see. We have to think ahead. We have to think about what do I want my life to be like? What do I want my marriage to be like? What do I, how do I want my kids to grow up? And then we have to practice that. And I think that happens often where um, as parents, we bring whatever we had in our own childhood, we bring that into our marriages. And then guess what happens? Our kids take that into their marriages. That's right. And often there's circumstances where um, people have a lot of hardship in their lives. And we happen to both come from conservative families, you know, um, godly values and that kind of thing. But um, sometimes people don't have that opportunity and they come from hardship. And they don't know any better and they don't know what to do. And sometimes couples need to seek help. You know, sometimes couples, if you're having trouble, seek help, but pay attention to where you're seeking it because that mentor is only as good as whatever their values are. Where they've been. What their training is. Exactly. How they think, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so um, that's how I would finish up today. And I'm sure that throughout some of the different uh, episodes and uh, of The Extraordinary Marriage, I'm sure we'll tell a few more stories. But as we conclude this one on parenting, I would say let's each stop and think about what we want in our in our marriage, what we want for our kids. You know, do we want to raise strong minded, kind, thoughtful um, you know, but it's okay to have your opinion and to uh, express that. But it's it's kind of like body language. I was teaching like that small group I said uh, uh, earlier this week, and it's body language. How do you express, you know, uh, what you're thinking and that kind of stuff? So anyway, do you have something you want to add, Jeff? No, I, I think you're right on target. You know, that we come from different backgrounds and when couples come together, uh, they have to get to know each other. And that's part of that process. And um, if you're constantly struggling, you do need to reach out for help because, you know, if you came from one direction and they came from the other direction, you know, it's like two locomotives running together, you know? So sometimes you have to stop, sit, discuss, and get all those details worked out. And asking somebody for help is not a bad thing. You know what? And I think I want to finish with this. Remember the pastor was talking about something last week and it was win, W-I-N. And I'm hoping you can remember. I remember what? Important. Important. Now. Okay. What's important now? So I figured if I couldn't remember, I thought you would. So win, W-I-N. What's important now? Yeah. And so as you're listening to this, I want you to think about this in your marriage. What's important now? It might be that y'all work on your communication skills. It might be parenting and being better parents. It might be the kids have grown up and what's important now. We got to figure out what we got in common again. That's another day. Actually, in the next episode uh, at the beginning of the month, which would be January uh, first week, 
that's what we'll talk about. We'll talk about, you know, the kids grew up. They're all gone. What now? What's important now? All right. We'll see you next time. If you've been encouraged today, please hit subscribe and help me spread the word by sharing with your friends. You'll find show notes and how you can connect with today's guest at TheExtraordinaryMarriage.com. Get ready to uncover the best-kept secrets of happy, healthy marriages and gain the power of understanding how you and your spouse think, act, and respond differently. Learn more about the unique communication secrets for marriage at TheExtraordinaryMarriage.com. This is your host, Connie Durham, and I'll see you next week.